Welcome back to the show. We, of course, are going to try and sort out what is going on with Kwame trying to get out of prison. Should we let him out of prison? I mean, he just went away. Should we let him out after a what they consider to be a short alternative sentencing program? You know, he got 18 months in prison. He got 18 months to five years. You know, he's not going to serve 18 months. Do people really think he's going to serve 18 months? Well, believe me, he's not. And what they do is they allow, after you do it, basically you go through what's called quarantine in Jackson. Everybody goes to this quarantine program in Jackson, and they process you. They figure out what they're going to do with you, where they're going to put you, but they see whether or not you're eligible for sentence alternative programs. And in this case, because his sentencing was less than three years, 36 months, and it, let me tell you, anybody getting less than 36 months on most cases, except if it's a capital crime or most likely a sex offender crime, but definitely on an embezzlement crime or on a, uh, like this case, an obstruction of justice crime with Kwame, are going to be eligible for boot camp. And boot camp is exactly what it sounds like. They put you through a program where you're just like you're in Quantico. You are uh, put through the ropes of a of a 90-day program run by the Michigan Department of Corrections, and that will kick your butt. They make everybody compliant, just like they were in the military. Now, I don't know if Kwame can do that. I don't even know if Kwame really wants to do that. But we do know that he's asked to do it, and Kim Worthy's really, really given her a response here. Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy got a legalistic thanks but no thanks from Judge Groner. And basically what happened was Kim wrote a letter saying that she, uh, basically whether or not she wanted to have Kwame out on this, on this, uh, boot camp program. But Judge Groner said this court does not respond to the letters pending for, or matters pending before this court and that he wouldn't consider Kim Worthy's well, request or not request or input on whether or not Kwame should be able to get out. And this is what happens when that, uh, when that letter comes from the Michigan Department of Corrections to the prosec- to the uh, judge. They say, all right, judge, this guy is, whether it's Kwame or anybody else, is otherwise eligible to be able to get on this alternative sentencing program. And what do you think? Usually there's no input from a judge other than basically saying that he's eligible, not I agree to it, I disagree, or whether he's not eligible. In this case, they're obviously seeing whether or not Judge Groner, what he would do on it. So we'll see what happens on it. I can tell you that um, most of the time, if you're eligible, you do get out on that boot camp program. I'd like you to call and uh, talk to us about it. Tell me what you think. Do you think Kwame should be able to get out on that boot camp at 248 248- Five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Call me and and just let me know. Let Kim Worthy know. Let Judge Groner know what you think. Why are we letting someone out who we we took so many pains in this city to put him away? We said we don't believe your affidavit that you submitted to the judge saying you're making six bucks a month that you can pay towards restitution. Six dollars. We told Kwame we don't believe that you have no income and no assets that you can pay back 
that now over $800,000 in restitution to Detroit. And now you're sitting up in prison. You obviously don't want to be there, but you want to be able to get out on a alternative sentencing program where you can be out in 90 days from your 18-month to 60-month sentence. Well, I don't know what you believe, but most Detroiters are going to say, uh-uh, I don't think so. I don't think you should get off like that. I think you should have to serve much more time. And then when you get out on parole, do like we were talking last time on this show, which is basically you owe the rest of the $800,000 as a condition of your parole. Call us at 248-539-9797 to join the conversation. We've got, uh, we've got Josh on the phone from, from Royal Oak. Josh, what's the story? What do you think? Do you think they should have a, a policy here? Do you think they should not allow a guy like this, a former mayor, to be able to get out on a boot camp program or should he, should he stay the whole time? You know, Scott, I just don't even know what to think about this. I think it's it's crazy. How, the, the guy's, what, 42 years old? Well, he's definitely old enough to know better, that's for sure. But you know what happens is we will put people in power. I don't care if it's in Detroit. It can be in New York where we put someone with some type of moral dilemma on what to do, with not only with his wife but his, with his uh, own sex life, like we have with... Uh, with Elliot Spitzer, we've got people in Illinois where we'll have them selling their different Senate seats. We'll, pe- we'll find people to put them in power, and we don't know what the morality is. We don't have those those checks on our politicians because when we elect them, we don't really know what's in the back of We never know what's in a man or woman's mind. And when they get in power, just like Kwame did, he will take advantage of that power whether it's in the office specifically or in his own personal life, and then we're, we're stuck with what we get. And here, that is exactly what happened. We got a, a guy who's under 50 who now is acting as if he's been in power for 50 years and he can do anything he wants. The guy, is, he's just looking for a sympathy card on this and on everything, and that's what I get from, from the Spitzers and the Blagojeviches of the world is people just looking for sympathy after they've done bad, horrible things. And it's really betraying the trust of the public do you as think, far as anyone's concerned. Do you think we should let him out? Do you think we should let him out of boot camp program? We should make him serve the whole time. I think he needs to serve. I, I was looking into this the other day, Scott, and the thing that I don't understand is most people that go to boot camps are in their 20s. They're generally younger people who have maybe questionably done things, but but not a 40-year-old man who's been a politician his whole life. Well, you know, I can tell you exactly what happens with boot camp. Thanks for calling, Josh. Is the issue on boot camp is everybody wants to get in because they think they can get out quick, get out of their sentence. I've had uh, maybe 500 people over the last several years um, that we've got into a boot camp program. And you know what? Some of them deserve to be in it. Some of them got caught up in something they didn't deserve to go to uh, to go to prison on. They didn't, but because they caught up with uh, with the issue of 
I I got caught with a crime. I pled guilty to it. I'm going to take responsibility. But some judge felt that, you know what, we're not going to keep him in county time or we have to put him in prison because of some crime that they pled to, even if it wasn't so serious, but the statute mandates that they can't stay in county time. Let's get him into a boot camp program. Let's get him some rehabilitation. Let's kick their butt. In this program, because I'm telling you, it will kick your butt, just like any army training program. And then let him out, and he's on parole after that. You know, they, they'll make sure that he is going to have to, for instance, pay this restitution, and if he doesn't, they'll put him back in prison, and then he's not eligible for boot camp. They'll make sure that he's drug-free, that he's not ripping another company off. It'll be something where he has to, you know, bring his records in his parole agent. Believe me, you don't want a parole agent crawling up your butt. I'm telling you, they can be extremely difficult, worse than any other probation officer. The question is, who should be eligible? Should we have this kind of crime eligible? And most people would say white collar crime, yeah. You should be eligible for that. Give us a call, 248-539-9797. Join the conversation. Tell us what you think. Should we have Kwame ever get out early from that 18-month period? You know, did you hear about this Vandersloot? Is that unbelievable? We talked about it earlier. We talked about it a little last week. How could anybody be accused of a crime, not be charged, and then you know that when you look at it two years later, they're, they're committing something else again? And we talk about it. It's a fine line. It's a fine line, people, between are you accused of something? Is there enough evidence to charge you? And... Have you been found guilty or pled guilty to this offense? Those are fine lines. And the press jumps all over it. You know, you see this Nancy Grace, right? You see them on headline news. Former prosecutors, they're all supposedly just doing their job covering the cases. But what they're saying is, we are assuming that this guy did it. We're assuming that Vandersloot is actually the one that not only, not only killed this new one in uh, in Peru, not only that he uh, is someone that is absolutely guilty, but that he's also guilty of the murder of uh, of that Natalie Holloway, my murder Ruba, back in 05. Now, I don't know if he did it. That's not my job. And it's not Nancy Grace or any of these talking heads' jobs to say he did it. It's their job to present the issues and let the audience decide what's going on, but they don't. They cross that fine line and they say, well, I am assuming under the Constitution that he is innocent until proven guilty, but there's so much evidence. Let's just assume that he did it. How can they let this guy walk around? Well, you know what? You can't cross that fine line. You think you can cross that fine line? You call me at 248-539-9797, and you tell me why we should just obliterate someone's constitutional rights and say, yeah, there's evidence against them, but you know what? We don't have the other side. I promise you there's always three sides of the story. I don't know if this Vandersloot did it. I'm not his lawyer. I'm not his advocate. But I do know that whatever the situation is, just because you read about it in CNN or you hear about it 
reading the free press doesn't mean that you've got the whole story. There are always three sides. There is Vandersloot's, there is the evidence against him, and then there's the truth. And believe me, after practicing criminal law for over 20 years, I promise you, you don't always know that simply because you think you know all the facts from the press. The press can do a tremendous job of giving you everything that they want you to know. That's what they do. They don't give you everything there is. They give you everything they want you to know. And if you don't think that these bureaus have political aspirations, that they have political bents, you look and you look at the difference between CNN and Fox in any one day, and you see how they cover everything from the golf spill to Vandersloot to the economy, and you tell me if you don't see different ways that they slant it. And you know what? You need different opinions. I don't want just one opinion. But when you're dealing with someone's rights, you have to have only one take on it, which is he is innocent until proven guilty. And he has not been proven guilty. He wasn't even charged in 05. He has not been convicted here in this case. I don't know what's going to happen in Peru. I don't know anything about Peru's rights. I don't know if anybody's got any rights in Peru. For all I know, they're going to, like in Iran, they're going to take him and chop his hands off and kill him. Who knows what they're going to do? But I promise you this. I promise you he's not going to get the same fair shake that he would get in a United States court. I promise you that. I don't... I don't even know because it's such a famous case now. It's so it's almost like the O.J. Simpson case. How in the world was O.J. Simpson going to get a fair trial? Either way, you know, when he back in the early 90s was found uh, not guilty of the murders, it doesn't mean he didn't do it. You know, no one's stupid enough, hopefully, to say simply because you're found not guilty means you didn't do it. It means that the prosecutor and the government didn't prove their case. That's that's all it means. They don't come out and say, we find you innocent. We find the prosecutor abused its rights and made up this made up this evidence and planted this, whether it's here, whether it's at Vandersloot, wherever it is, that they they are found to be innocent. That's not what happens in jury trials. In jury trials, the prosecutor presents their evidence, the defense presents whatever evidence they have, if they want to present it, they don't even have to present any evidence, and then the jury comes back and says, well, we had this standard called beyond a reasonable doubt, and did the government, did the prosecutor prove their case against us, If they uh, against the guy? If they did, we're going to find them guilty on X and X and X. If they didn't, we're going to find them not guilty. We're not saying he didn't do it. We're saying the government didn't prove it. And that's what happened with O.J. And we have to wait and see what happens with Vandersloot. If you want to get a get a little feel on this and get involved in this discussion, call us at 248-539-9797. Or you can call at 1-800-7100-LAW. We're over the Internet, syndicated on TalkZone.com. But you can join the conversation and basically get involved. And that's what's going on with Simpson right now. You know, he's trying to appeal. Not that one, of course. He actually was. Forget about the murder case. He was convicted of the, uh, of the case with the armed robbery. And, you know, attorneys for disgrace 
gridiron O.J. Simpson went back to court uh, regarding the judge that basically allowed a conviction for armed robbery in 2008, and they're seeking to reverse that conviction. But he got convicted on 12 counts of armed robbery. So let's take that for a second. He's 62 years old. He was convicted of armed robbery on many different counts and something that other people would say, come on, you got to be kidding me. He came into a room with a bunch of thugs trying to get his memorabilia back, and that we get him on armed robbery and we send him away to prison. But where we know that he actually murdered two individuals, we can't get a conviction. Well, let me tell you what that is. It's a different jury. That's all it is. You got a different prosecutor, you got a different defense attorney, and you got a different jury. I mean, you can have a situation, the exact same facts presented by one prosecutor against one defendant in front of 12 people in one county, and they can find a totally different result than with different parties. Even if it's the same prosecutor, you get 12 different people that are people of your peers, man, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if they're going to come back and say guilty or not guilty. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Jeffrey Figer, Jerry Spence. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what famous prosecutor you are. You will never be able to predict 12 different men and women on different juries. And that's exactly what happened here. Obviously, they convicted him of this armed robbery, and now they sentenced him to prison, but they're trying to get... Uh, trying to say that the judge basically didn't protect his rights, and now they're trying to overturn that conviction. And most of those times, I'm not saying every time, but most of those times, that does not take place. Most people think that, oh, well, I'll appeal it. I'll get a lawyer and, and I'll appeal it. And you know what happens? Most of the time, the government, if they got a conviction, cover themselves so that it's not overturned. So what us lawyers have to do is we have to find how someone's constitutional rights and procedural rights within that trial weren't protected. And that's exactly what they're going to try to do here. I do it all the time in a criminal law practice. We do it all the time in the state of Michigan, and they do it all the time all over this this country in federal court that the lawyers are there to protect us against an, an abuse of government that doesn't, it's not there to protect our rights. That's why we have lawyers. That's why we employ them. That's why we rely on them. Hey, listen, everybody has uh, disparaging comments about lawyers. Believe me, I know that. Everybody sits there and says, oh, you know, lawyers, come on, they're scum. <laughs> they, we should, who wants to be a lawyer? Until you need one. Until you're sitting there and, you know, in jail because you had too much to drink at a party and so your wife is calling around to make sure that your lawyer tries to get you out. Believe me. Everybody hates lawyers until you need one. And then you beg for a good one. And that's what we try to provide, but that's what you always need. If you want to get involved in the conversation, just call us anytime here or after at 248-539-9797 and we'll take care of any question you've got. I did want to talk about that uh, Amanda Knox. Everybody read about that? That was an amazing story. That is a tragedy that's going on in Italy. It's obviously where the uh, the young girl, Amanda Knox, was convicted of murder. And now, a j- listen to this, a jailed Italian mobster claims that he can prove the American student, Amanda Knox, and her, boy- her former boyfriend, basically a drifter, they're innocent of murdering, uh, their British roommate, 
and he knows who the real killer is. Is that unbelievable? No, they didn't find that out beforehand, right? But now when everything supposedly is over, now they're trying to do it. This guy's name is Luciano Avello, 41. I used to work for an Italian law firm. That's why I know all about that. Luciano Avello, 41, made the statement during a videotaped interview with Knox's lawyers. He said he tried to write the Italian court several times to say that Knox and others were innocent, but no one contacted him back. And, you know, that's the other thing is we take advantage. We forget how we have and been blessed with the greatest criminal law system in the world. People think this is a difficult system, think that innocent people get run free because of our criminal justice system, or that guilty people are, uh, or that innocent people are railroaded. But I'm telling you right now, we have the best system in the world. It's not perfect. We don't have a perfect system. We don't have a perfect electoral college uh, system for our government to be elected. But our criminal justice system is the best it can be in the world. You want to go see a system that you won't want your rights protected, that you don't have your ability to have a constitutional protection against some uh, crazed individual uh, alluding that you actually committed a crime, you go to Italy. You go and see what's going on there and how they're convicting American citizens there. Or you want to go to uh, China and go see how the, your rights are protected there and then come back here and tell me what you think about our American criminal justice system. Believe me, you're going to kiss the ground that the Constitution lays on up in Washington because that is exactly what we have here. We have the best system in the world. And if you want to make it better, if you want to do something, then you know what? You elect officials to amend our Constitution or to write laws that will better it. But until then, I'd say find a good lawyer and protect yourself with it. Wrap yourself in that Constitution that will be a blanket of protection other than simply trying to burn it with your criticisms of it. You want to talk about that? You call me at 248-539-9797. I'll let you talk. I'll let you tell me what you think about our criminal justice system, why you think it's so uh, abusive, why you think that just because the police have committed crimes that the police can come into our houses and shoot us without provocation, why you think our criminal justice system isn't working because of that. Let me tell you what it is. Our criminal justice system is working because we are protecting ourselves from that government intrusion. Now, we can't protect it from happening in the first place, but we sure as heck can hold those that commit those crimes, whether it's the government or whether it's an individual, accountable. And that's what happens. And then when we hold them accountable, they have rights to protect themselves. And you might think, oh, I don't want them, I don't want a cop who discharges his weapon and kills someone to have any type of protection or rights. But let me tell you something. If it's your son who was playing around with his buddy's gun and he shot someone, you'll be the first one to sit there and say, oh, my God, it was an accident. What are you talking about? Or if it's your daughter who actually is in a store and she um, takes something and wanted to pay for it but didn't because she forgot and they charge you with larceny, you'd be the first one to be jumping up and down saying, hey, I, you know, we got to protect her. 
What do you mean? They didn't. They have to prove this and this and this. Yeah, so she did steal it. Okay, come on. She's 18. It's her first offense. Give her a break. You'll be the first one jumping up and down to that. But when it doesn't affect you or your loved one, you'll be the first one to jump on that bandwagon to say our criminal justice system is just messed up. We should just go straight from uh, getting the facts to conviction and nothing in between. Well, let me tell you something. Let's thank God that that is exactly why we have our Constitution to protect ourselves from that type of um, vigilante justice. And, you know, that's what happens every day. That's what happens when we look at the situations with this poor kid in Italy. We sit there and say, hey, listen, we think that she should be released, but you know what? Unfortunately, she's not protected under that blanket of American constitutional rights. And we have to always realize that when we jump on that, we jump on the bandwagon to basically just jump all over our government. So you want to talk about this, you call me at 248-539-9797, or you can call us during the week at Weinberg on the Law at 1-800-7100-LAW. That's 1-800-7100-529. You know, next week we're going to, we're really going to have a, a, just a, just a great show for you. We were going to be talking with Helen Thomas. Helen Thomas, of course, the 89-year-old publicist, uh, the, the journalist who's been in the White House for, oh my goodness, she's been there for what, like 50 years, front row seat, talking to each president. And of course, she uh, now is bugged out. She got fired by uh, Hearst Broadcasting because of her comments, basically saying all the Jews should get out, get out of town, uh, exit as quickly as possible, do not pass go, go back to Poland, Germany, and wherever you go to America, and clearly, uh, basically, <laughs> got just ousted, not only by that, but by her agent. We're going to have her agent on, who's really uh, just a, a real bright woman, Diane Nine. She's from the Detroit area, and we're going to have her on coming up next week. We're all going to talk all about how does that happen? How does someone who, in this day and age, can still have those Perhaps prejudicial beliefs, perhaps anti-Semitic beliefs. We'll have, we'll hear from her and see whether or not that's really true or if there's a, a separate side of the story. You know, just like in criminal law, you always have three sides of that story. And just because you read, just because you even heard Helen Thomas, some 89 year old woman who might just be saying whatever they think. And believe me, if we all have 89, 90 year old, uh, 90-year-old relatives, we know what happens with them. They just say what they want. So we'll see whether or not there's a separate side to that story. And I want you to protect all your rights all day long, all week long. And you want to call me at Weinberg on the Law at 1-800-7100-LAW. That's 1-800-7100-529. And we will help you in any way possible. If we can't help you, we will make sure that your rights are protected whether that's here during the week, whether it's here on Sunday, or any time across this great land of ours. See you next week.